I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. and welcome to Seriously, the podcast from the New Statesman that takes pop culture seriously. I'm Caroline Crampton. And I'm Anna Leskovich. This week we're talking about the season premiere of Game of Thrones and the new Haim album, Something to Tell You. We've also been to see the RSC play Queen Anne, so we'll be talking about how that went later in the show. Hello. Hello. Welcome back to another episode of Seriously. Last week, we chatted about Happy Valley, didn't we? And I think you've got an email about that there. We did indeed. So Sarah Hess, who was one of the people who recommended that we watch it in the first place, who is also a writer for Orange is the New Black, we should say, got in touch to say, of course I listened to the latest right away and I'm so glad you both liked Happy Valley. I think the thing that appeals to me about it most is that you can tell how tightly the actor and writer work together to make that character happen. Anyway, please keep watching. Season two is even better. Looking forward to a revisit if you are so inspired. Oh, I've already finished the first season. Have you? Oh, I'm so jealous. I haven't had time. I've just powered through it. In fact, boring insight into my life. For the first two episodes, I watched them on my own because I was running out of time for Seriously. And then I wanted my boyfriend to watch the rest with me so much that I watched the first two again with him before I carried on with any of the others. Wow, that is dedicated. I think we got through like four in one night and then like two another night it was it was really good fun so i'm just yeah keen to start the second season now i'm so glad to hear that it's as good as the first because often sophomore seasons can have a bit of a drop-off can't they but apparently not so yeah so that's awesome thank you very much to sarah and everyone else who recommended that oh also last week we explained how i'm shortly moving to liverpool and we just had a lovely email from ella who I'm not going to read it because it's really, really long. But basically, she has sent me loads and loads of recommendations for stuff I can do in Liverpool. What an angel. And even offered to be my tour guide, if I so wish. Great. Thank you so much, Ella, and anyone else who has added me on Twitter with suggestions, which has been very much appreciated. Oh, you're going to settle right in. So further seriously event updates go to seriouslypod.com slash events to see them all we did a game of thrones quiz two weeks ago one week ago it was literally last week (laughs) feels like Uh, a long time ago yeah i mean it's a lot been a long long week in the game of thrones fandom yeah last week we did a game of thrones quiz at the book club in shoreditch with a bunch of game of thrones nerds it was great i actually had a really good time there was some controversy (laughs) they did chant shame 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 at me but it was just great wasn't it it was yeah actually one of my favorite ones we've done yeah Um, they've all been great but i don't know just i think everyone was so excited about the new series lots of people had brought family members along as well as friends that was so cute it was really really nice in fact we enjoyed it so much 
that we're going to do another one. Yes, on the 12th of September 2017, no less, which I think is like a week after the series finishes, maybe, or just after the series finishes. So if you were feeling buzzed at the premiere, hopefully you'll be feeling buzzed at the finale. Also, please do grab tickets. I think it will mostly be the same quiz. So if you came to the first one, you'd really easily win and that wouldn't be fair on others. But we will be doing a new one. Maybe we'll incorporate some new questions uh, from the new series into that too. It's TV only, no books. Yes, we should have said that for the other one because a couple of people asked us TV on the night. TV only. Yeah, we're not getting involved in discrepancies between books and TV. I don't have time for that. No, no one has time for that. <laughs> Apart from a couple of Game of Thrones podcasts I've encountered recently where they devote themselves entirely to the differences between oh, wow. the show and the books. Caroline is now the world's foremost Game of Thrones podcast expert in additional news. So, <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, I, I wrote a piece about it recently. So I, uh, yeah, I listened. There are many of them and I've listened to most Do of them. Do get in touch with her with any of your queries about this wide-reaching subject please don't i have all the information i need lol well rolling on we are going to do game of thrones this week yay yay so game of thrones season seven can you believe it began again on sunday night beginning where season six left off which was a lot of murder and a lot of death I keep calling them like literally explosive two episodes that ended season six, which I think is quite lame. I think a lot of journalists are doing that. So apologies (laughs) apologies in advance. Enemies to the east. Enemies to the west. Enemies to the south. Enemies to the north. Whatever stands in our way. We will defeat it. We're the last Lannisters. The last ones you count. I was born to rule the Seven Kingdoms. And I will. Brothers are gone, yet here you stand. Last best hope against the coming storm. I got up at 2am to watch this with my boyfriend because we are such massive nerds. <laughs> but I literally went to bed quite early, set the alarm for 1.30, got up, had some chocolate and some fizzy pop and really enjoyed watching Game of Thrones. He's also recapping Game of Thrones for his place of work. I'm recapping Game of Thrones for my place of work. (laughs) My life has really come full circle. And yeah, I really enjoyed this episode. I thought it was great. I really enjoyed the cold open, as Mm. we call it in TV world. So before the credits, we started off with Arya Stark basically murdering a bunch of dudes, which is the best, right? Yeah, that was fantastic. And actually, although I enjoyed the whole episode this remained my favourite sequence, yeah. where she wearing the face of Walder Frey. I love that they um, never really fully explain no. like how the face wearing works, but you just like we always just roll with it. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Wearing the face of Walder Frey. So initially, you don't know that it's her. She's standing in front of a 
hall of all the phrase and making a big speech about how you know you all supported me you all helped me betray the starks blah 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 mm. um and now i've bought really nice wine for you to enjoy and they all start drinking it and then they all start choking and then they all fall on the floor dead yeah and then she pulls her face off and she's like never forget oh she has a great line she says to the the fray women who are sort of notoriously terribly abused when people ask you what happened here Tell them the North remembers. <laughs> Tell them winter came for House Frey. And you're like, dun, dun, dun. Yeah, it's so good. It's a weird choice of how to start that episode mm. because the penultimate episode of season six, we saw Arya murder Walder Frey in a way that was, you know, really... F- or was it the... P- might have been final. I'm not 100% on that. But in either one of the last two episodes of season six, yeah, we, we see her murder Walder Frey in like a really great way. So then to start the new season with like Walder Frey, yeah. it's, it's, you get this jarring second where you're like, wait, what? And then you're like, oh fuck, I know what must be going on here. And for me, tonally, this episode really belonged to those final episodes of season six, which were so action heavy, so kind of deliciously vengeful. So many women just like literally murdering everyone in front of them and then like having a mic drop line and walking away. And then the rest of this episode was not so much in that tone, right? No, there were still women struggling with power and in powerful positions potentially, but no one else had that kind of raw vengeance moment Mm -hmm. that Aya had. So we saw Sansa at Winterfell with Jon where she was trying to advise him not to forgive his enemies too easily and he kind of slapped her down with like don't undermine me in front Mm. of the clan's folk or whatever. Whose side are you on there? I'm on Sansa's side. I think it's really divisive because I'm on Sansa's side but I think a lot of people are on Jon's side. Yeah well I can see that because the so the disagreement between them is that Jon wants to pardon the families who betrayed House Stark because, you know, the people who actually did the betraying died in battle and, you know, their descendants, if they want to pledge allegiance to him, he'll happily have them Mm. and move onward and all the rest of it. Whereas Sansa's very much more of the like, no, they betrayed you, reward the people who were loyal and tell these people to F off. Yeah, it's difficult though because I do think although Sansa has some good points, she's not going about it the way that is going to make Jon listen to her the most. Like if she wants to kind of take advantage of her position as like brother slash cousin Mm. of like the most important person in the North, then I think maybe she could like appeal to him a little bit better. But yeah, I also found Jon such a hypocrite in that that Mm -hmm. whole scene because he was really like, no, think of these poor children. We're not going to like punish them for this weird kind of familial deeds. But he literally like hanged a kid last season who was like bullied into joining the like revolt against him and stabbed him. And you're like, Jon, you like murdered an eight year old. (laughs) What's wrong with that? I just don't get it. He also had like a a male feminist moment where Mm. he was like, we're going to get the women to fight in our wars because Mm -hmm. if only half the population are helping us mine Dragonstone, then we're not going to get very far. And I was like, okay, Jon, but okay. Okay. Mm. Like, we'll see. We'll see how this male feminist Jon turns out. I'm going to just look at you with extreme skepticism for now. <laughs> I am interested in maybe this will come to nothing, but I'm interested in what John's like new sort of non vengeance based system of politics yeah. might mean. Mm. That maybe if we are heading for the final battle for Westeros, mm. then it makes sense that the different contenders should have different visions for what Westeros should be like mm-hmm. after they've won. And I felt like that whole scene hinted at John going like I want to move away from this sort of eye for an eye. You murdered my family, so I murder yours. I want to kind of wipe the slate clean, start again. 
you know, winter is coming, winter yeah. is come, we all have to work together to survive. And Stop obviously, the fighting. however annoying his obsession with winter is coming, the White Walkers are on their way is, like, obviously it's the only sensible, yeah. <laughs> the only well, sensible perspective in the entire series to have at this point. It's like, maybe we should worry about death, which is yeah. literally coming for us all. As we saw, scary zombie giants yeah. marching. One, one, so sad. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, he is maybe right about that. Yeah. Before we move on from that scene... Uh, shout out to Lady Liana Mormon mm-hmm. of Bear Island, still queen of our hearts, <laughs> just an icon of our times. I, I don't plan to be knitting by the fire when the war comes or whatever. Like, great dialogue. Love it. And I also really liked Sansa's dialogue with Littlefinger, where she said, No need to seize the last word, Lord Baelish. I'll assume it was something clever. I was like, <laughs> Boom. <laughs> yes. Though, again, you should probably keep buttering that guy up because yeah. you need him. <laughs> yes. Uh, people who've dismissed him have historically fallen off high things yeah he obviously likes her when she's a little bit like sassy though so maybe maybe he's into that should we mention the ed sheeran cameo or should we pretend it never happened oh. <laughs> Discuss. <laughs> it was really embarrassing it was so bad i just it? felt very embarrassed for him he just doesn't know how to hold his face normally mm-hmm. i think no. he's not an actor bless him also why didn't he let them like change his appearance in any way because he already looks like a weird like 16th century troll person but his hair was all brushed forward in the same way and i felt like at least ed like get into the spirit let them like put some mud in your hair and make you look a bit like a game of thrones extra you just look like ed sheeran in a cape yeah which is embarrassing but i do think ed sheeran's vibe is a bit like mead and stockings Mm. yeah (laughs) that's true terrible way yeah so anyway glossing over that glossing over that i really did think that Arya was going to kill him and she didn't and you're like come on what what are you here for if not that oh incidentally i i do want to just shout out to one of the game of thrones podcasts i listen to which is called game of thrones the podcast Uh in which they discussed the ed sheeran cameo but one of them had never heard of Ed Sheeran and oh. kept, I, I, that's what the other guy was like you li- are they American I, but he's really big in America they're too a, they're American but the one guy was like you can't have not heard his music it's just not possible but he kept calling him Ed Sheeran oh I like that Sh- Sheeran <laughs> yeah is that, is that how you say it I don't know I don't know who he is I, I also like, keep wanting to call him Ed Sherman <laughs> the Sherman but like what a blessed existence I know oh jealous I also would like to shout out to the poop montage <laughs> which was great someone on Twitter was like hey look we're all so excited for the Game of Thrones uh, revival and uh, <laughs> Game of Thrones colon offers you an Ed Sheeran cameo and a long poop montage <laughs> you're like cool so this used up most of samuel tarley's screen time yeah was watching him scrub bedpans and wretch wretch repeat slop horrible poo like stew into bowls and then do the whole thing again yeah it's very like circle of life in a horrible horrible way Mm -hmm. i was impressed when he just like accepted a sort of diseased heart and liver into (laughs) their hands as though it was like no big deal though so like respect (laughs) (laughs) yeah and you know he's still trying to investigate dragon glass yeah at the citadel really enjoyed jim broadbent in this episode yeah Um, and we finally got to see who he's playing because he's another harry potter alumnus who is has a starring role in game of thrones now and he's playing this maester yeah and best like dialogue over an autopsy yeah. i've seen in a long time <laughs> that's something normally reserved for like police procedurals yeah. or silent witness but it was great it was really good and then we had everyone's favorite iron throne occupant cersei lannister what did you yeah. make of her in this um I, it's funny because i just there's so many questions over that plot line 
because they have no kids anymore. Mm. All their kids have died. They tried to give us some dialogue explaining what Cersei's fighting for now. And I'm not sure I like fully buy what she's fighting for. And I wonder how they're going to resolve that plot line. And Euron Greyjoy said he was going to get her like the ultimate, most priceless gift. And I feel like that's either going to be like Tyrion's head because mm. she wants him dead so much or like some way of her preserving her bloodline. Yes. Um, and my boyfriend, credit where credit's due, this wasn't actually me. He said he thought maybe there was an implication that she might actually be quite into the idea of the army of the dead because that could be her new legacy. Yeah, so I was wondering that, that because, you know, they try to put the exposition in that dialogue between her and Jamie, where Jamie asks that question. It's like, mm-hmm. what are you even doing this for? We're not a dynasty anymore. It's mm-hmm. only us left. And I think that she's basically become the political equivalent of a suicide bomber, mm-hmm. is that if she's going down, she's taking everything with her. And yeah. the White Walkers would fit into that. She's basically done that sans suicide. So it's yeah. Just, well, this is, is this just the long game version of that? But yeah. she, you know, she blew up the Sept of Baylor like she means it. Yeah, definitely. We also saw Daenerys finally mm. reach her ancestral seat in a scene that I quite enjoyed thought dragonstone looked really nice yeah that was there (laughs) (laughs) i felt like in many ways this episode had something of everything that game of thrones has to offer and it got to like the last 10 minutes and i was like i haven't seen any nice panning shots of castles yet what is going on and then we arrive at dragonstone nice panning shots of castles it looked beautiful it was lovely i really appreciated the final line of the episode as well which was daenerys saying shall we begin over her sort of like big map table thing Mm. well it's Um, stannis's big map table yeah well he he, like had her he was like occupying her castle Mm. in the rebellion yeah but this episode felt so build-uppy there was so much like i felt like visual mapping so yeah we see like the painted table in Dragonstone, also Cersei's big map on the floor, mm. also Sam's map of Dragonstone in his little book, and then like John and Sansa are like arguing about the northernmost points in Westeros with their like sort of I don't know map in dialogue. Yeah, and there's just loads of like, hey everyone, like don't forget, like this is where all the different threats are coming from. These are all the important strongholds, and it's like inviting you to like just get your map ready for the season. And then finally, we have Daenerys like stood at the foot of this big map and she's like right shall we begin and you're mm. like right okay now i'm ready for the season yeah exactly <laughs> i want some action now yeah. we kind of got a footnote from the last season at the beginning loads of exposition and now hopefully next episode i'm thinking like straight back into the action and it did really underline the fact that all the players are on the same continent again mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. we could actually finally see because like for instance Daenerys and John have never had a scene together, have they? No, like we, I, well, they've never met. We could actually see some unlikely meetings. They're going to have to be some alliances. And are they going to figure out that they're related? Yeah. That's the big, big question, I guess. The, the whole thing now has to bring everybody together. And that began by them all like landing on the same continent and yeah. moving towards. So yeah, it did feel like geopolitical setup. Yeah, but I'm excited for what's to come. Yeah, same here.
now we're going to talk about Haim's second album, Something to Tell You, which has just come out. It's the follow-up to 2013's Days Are Gone, and sees the sisters pursue their particularly Californian style of rock. Yeah, I guess the kind of like really tired line about Haim is that they're like Fleetwood Mac meets Destiny's Child. Like this kind of like 70s rock influences meeting that kind of 90s R&B rhythm. But it's kind of like a cliche because it's true and it does sum up their sound quite well. And this album really just builds on their sound from that debut, I think. Yeah, and I was actually just reading the Pitchfork review of Something to Tell You recounts this... Jen Pelly, isn't it? So good. It was so good, but it recounts that they did seek advice from Stevie Nicks while they were working on this album. Do you have that review? What's the first line of that review? I just remember thinking like... That is a perfect opening line for a Heim review. It's Stevie Nicks told Heim to keep diaries. Oh, doesn't that just like go and read her review? It's amazing. But doesn't that just fill you with like intrigue about this album? Yeah. But so what Stevie Nicks was kind of saying to them beyond that keeping a journal is a good practice, especially if you are trying to create something, is look inward, Mm -hmm. look to your own lives and your own feelings. You don't have to make big statements about the world as it is or as you want it to be just express what you feel and that is what they've tried to do because I feel like the overwhelming impression I get from this album is one of longing yeah and a a sort of striving for something I think they're really good on like the fundamental complexity and difficulty of like being in a serious relationship with another Mm. person I remember that one of their first singles started with that line you know I'm bad at communication it's the hardest thing for me to do Mm. that essential problem that I guess is just like part of so much of like music and culture in general of like oh I like love this person but they're also a bit impenetrable and things are also like really difficult and like conversations aren't always easy and that kind of thing and I think that really comes across in this album lyrically I think Mm. the lyrics are just very mature and very like insightful about how people relate to one another essentially yeah and the music is I think more complex than I expected it to be to be fair it has been like four years since their first album which I did really like but my sense impression that days are gone left and I have to admit I don't listen to it that much anymore Mm. is that it was very upbeat kind of sunny music yeah Um, the kind of thing that if I still had a car I would listen to in summer with the windows down that kind of thing certainly the singles I think yeah but this album isn't like that it's a lot darker in some places a bit more grungy it has more rhythmic complexity to it and I really like that they've gone with that yeah that rhythmic complexity is definitely there and there are some songs on this that I really like where it surprises you where they go like in the chorus a bit like Lord Sober I was like oh I like this because the the rhythms are like very offbeat in the chorus and there's a lot of that in this album too but yeah I having said that I think the standout ones for me are maybe the sunnier poppier ones yeah they are still very good at that there's no question about it I really like Little of Your Love and Ready For You. I think those, I really like how Ready For You is quite like solely in parts. And yeah, those are the two that have like 
gone back and gone back and gone back and listened to again and again. I don't know why they just like get something in my head. I really like the lyric from Ready For You that says, they said you'd be like all the other guys, two-faced but too numb to know it, telling your pretty lies. And I'm like, oh, relate. So many men that I know or that my friends date are just these guys who are like, yeah, I'm like not ready for a relationship. And then they're in a relationship with a, with a different woman like two mm-hmm. weeks later, but they don't, they can't even realize that they're doing that. They just aren't emotionally in tune with themselves enough to realize what they're doing. Yeah. I just thought like that suddenly you're like listening to this like quite casual pop song and then there's like an insight like that and you're like, whoa. Mm. <laughs> yes. Did you listen to their live lounge? I did not appearance. listen to their live lounge. Appearance. I really liked it. They, as their cover, they did Bad Liar by Selena Gomez. Oh, great song. Which is a great song, but also really interestingly covered by like a guitar band. Because mm, it's thought. so spare, isn't it? That original yeah. arrangement. Oh, I'll definitely check that out. But again, I can see why that would appeal to them because that's got that like late 70s talking heads baseline, mm. hasn't it? So it's kind of got that merge of things that they like. So that makes sense to me. Yeah. And slightly more spoken vocals in places as well, yeah. which they're now experimenting with yeah. and stuff. Yeah, overall, it's definitely a really interesting album. I'm, I don't know. I'm not sure yet whether it's like fully sunk into my skin in the way mm. that, say, Lord's melodrama has. So it's tough comparison, I isn't know. it? I know. I shouldn't. <laughs> we com- just love Lord. We're just obsessed with Lord. I shouldn't compare other music to what is clearly going to be like my album of the decade yeah. or something. Yeah. <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. down the street the other day trying to distract myself but then i see your face oh wait that's someone else oh trying to play a coy trying to make it disappear but just like the battle of troy there's nothing subtle here oh in my room there's a king size space bigger than it used to be if you want you can rent that place call me an amenity even if it's in my dreams i Yeah, ooh, every time I walk 
So last week, Anna and I went to see a play. A play? A at play the theatre. At the theatre. What it's are we a, like? It's a departure for us. <laughs> uh, we went to see the RSC's Queen Anne at the Theatre Royal Haymarket, which we'd been recommended by a member of the publicity team there, who is also a Seriously listener, said that she thought we'd like it. And did we, Anna? Well, I feel like Seriously listeners should probably know that a historical play is probably not my main bag. And how long was this play? Two hours 45, maybe? Something like that. Yeah. yeah. That's a long play for me. Um, <laughs> it's a period that I know absolutely nothing about to the extent that I was like, I don't know what's going to happen in this play. Great. <laughs> no spoilers. So I really thought that I wasn't going to enjoy it, but I loved it. It went by so quickly and I just left the theatre thinking like, wow, if this had been a play that I'd seen in school, I might have got way more into this sort of period of history and not felt that it was off limits to me in some sort of way. Mm, yeah, so it covers the like end of the Stuart dynasty, essentially, um, very late 17th and early 18th century, the mm-hmm. accession and then rule of Queen Anne who was the daughter of James II. And so all the stuff that she faced in her reign was the fact, you know, she was childless. She'd had 17 pregnancies and no living children to show for it. God, that is just awful. It's so grim, isn't it? You know, um, one one of her sons lived to be 11 and then died. You know, it was absolutely horrible. So yeah, it covers her kind of succession problems. Mm -hmm. Plus the fact that she's a Protestant, but her father and her half-brother were Catholics and had been ruled out from the throne and parliament had passed this thing called the act of succession that basically meant no catholic could ever succeed to the throne Mm. so you know there are religious tensions there are also political tensions because you've got the beginnings of the kind of tory whig fight in parliament about you know statism versus individualism and all this kind of stuff and in the middle of it all you've got this woman who has all these health problems is really underconfident and just wants her best friend to spend time with her yeah, that's what it's all about for me. If if anyone's listening and is like, I don't understand like 40% of the words Caroline just used, that's me. <laughs> like that was me going into this play. But you really get the sense of the personal as well as all yeah. those things, which is, you know, the tensions within her court being a lot about Anne's feelings, platonic or otherwise, for Sarah Churchill, who's played by Romla Garai in this excellently. And it becomes like a drama of both like big macro state problems and just like female friendship gone awry problems and Mm. that for me was just so compelling that combination yeah because Anne really relies on Sarah but there's a fundamental power imbalance in their relationship because Anne is the queen and Sarah is her courtier but then there's also a shift the other way in the sense that Sarah is beautiful and confident and articulate and has a husband with whom she's an intellectual match and they're a great team whereas Anne is I mean I don't think she is stupid but she thinks of herself as stupid and slow and her husband loves her very much but he's not that smart and Mm. she feels quite isolated so Sarah gets very impatient with Anne all the time she said you know just make decisions just do things Mm. you know you just all you have to do is go there and wear the robe and wear the crown and stand there Mm. why can't you do it and Anne's saying well you know because it makes me feel dreadful and I feel dishonest and I don't feel like it's the honest thing to do and you know the directors and the cast do a really good job of showing you the both sides of the problems in this relationship because Anne is often very noble's the wrong word but she's she's trying to do the right thing almost all the time she's very needy but she hasn't really got any like malice in her but she is very annoying Mm. (laughs) and when you watch sarah getting impatient with her 
you do get it because you're like, yeah, well, she she is kind of being over the top sorry for herself. She is sort of pretend playing dumb when she knows she does understand this because she doesn't want to do it. At the same time, Sarah has, uh, she just has a great line in indignance to the point where you're like, okay, calm down. <laughs> you can't like talk to people like this all the time. You can't be quite this manipulative all the time. So you really, I don't know, it's quite weird to be, to see that friendship from both sides and be in the middle of it and get a really good sense of the push and pull without being like, well, this is the bad one or mm. without it, I don't know, seeming too. sometimes when friendships fall out on TV, you can just be like, well, why can't they just work it out? And you don't get that sense from this because yeah. you do see how extreme the two different people in it are. It finishes by you thinking, well, I don't see how that could have gone another way. Like, mm. I don't see how that could have ever come to a happy resolution. Mm. So, yeah, I think it was great. It was Absolutely amazing. Great. Yeah. Um, I really liked the sort of musical interludes as well because part of what comes between Anne and Sarah is this like nascent coffee house culture with pamphlets and balladeers and satire. And mm. so like Jonathan Swift and Daniel Defoe are characters mm. in the play, minor characters. Because I found some of those references to them a little like two arched eyebrows yeah, but maybe that's because they, I got those because I know a bit about the literature of the period there might have been like really like over the top political references that just like passed me by I wouldn't know <laughs> yeah so they, they would have a little like bawdy song satirizing something yeah, in between yeah. scenes and things which they were very funny yeah I like that it was good yeah and the energy it just kept the energy going throughout the mm. whole thing because like I say it doesn't feel like it's almost three hours long at all it's just really compelling mm. that I couldn't look away if listeners are able to get to the theatre to see it we would recommend it so for next week, we're finally going to do something that we've been recommended a whole bunch of times, which is Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Sarah recommended Brooklyn Nine-Nine to us as, as well as a bunch of other people. And she singles out a few episodes for us. She says, the Halloween and Christmas episodes are really great, but my favourite is the Mumps episode. And we're always one to go on a personal recommendation, aren't we? Yeah. So I think we're going to check out the Mumps episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I might have to do a little Google <laughs> to, to find out what it's called. But... To find out when and where that is. But yeah, if you want to watch along with us... That's what we're doing. Thanks for listening to this episode of Seriously, the pop culture podcast from the New Statesman. If you enjoyed the show, why not subscribe to make sure you never miss another episode? We're available in all the usual places you get podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, where you could also leave us a review if you like. We've got loads of events coming up this summer, including festivals, live episodes and quizzes. Find out more and buy tickets at seriouslypod.com slash events. We're available many other places on the internet, including on Twitter, Facebook and Tumblr. We're SeriouslyPod on all of them. We love getting your recommendations for things we should feature on the show or just hearing your thoughts on what we've already discussed. Get in touch on social media or email us at seriouslypod at gmail.com. And if you feel strongly that more pop culture needs to be taken seriously, spread the word and tell your friends and family about the podcast. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 
Hey, y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Discover South Carolina. 